It's time for another episode of Drew Drogi's Minor Revelations. Oh, hi. I'm Drew Drogi. Why not? Wouldn't it be weird if I weren't? Oh, you guys. I'm going to just say some things. I'm going to say some things right now and uh, nothing of importance. Don't worry about it. But uh, what 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 do these phrases make you think of? All right. Last act. Spellbound. Give me a kiss. See you later. Whisper of death. Scavenger hunt. Slumber party. The wicked heart. Final friends. Chain letter. The Last Vampire, Christopher Pike books. Oh, my God. I was obsessed with Christopher Pike so much from, like, I want to say ages mm, 11 to way too old uh, to this day. I loved his writing style. Um, I, the late 80s, Last Act was the first book of his that I read, and it's, and it's just, it's all about the theater, and a girl gets shot on stage, and she, um, uh, and, but she's really killed. Then who killed her? Um, and uh, they were always like a group of really sexy friends, and someone's murdered, or someone's missing, or maybe they're sick, or um, my guests that, uh, that I'm going to have on today, uh, Lindsay and Kelly, uh, they have a whole podcast about this. It's called Teen Creeps, and you've got to listen to it. It's on Feral, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But they were saying they were talking about the, the book Monster, in which the kids turn into monsters. And I remember lo- reading that and loving it. Um, they were just, it was just, it's just such delightful, perfectly written trash. Um, and I alternated between those books and Stephen King and um, uh, you know, Brett Easton Ellis, and it was all kind of wrapped up in this, like, you know, you know, sense of like beautiful people and and terror and um, um, and I sort of imagined this life through these characters. I always saw myself in these books. I always cast myself in one of the roles, and um, you know, and I, I sort of lived this fantasy life as I think you know a lot of us do at that age. Um, but I was. Um, uh, I had a I had a a pretty lovely uh, upbringing and but I was also like very bored and wanted very much for there to be a murder among the town and um, I was in eighth grade I remember and we did this weird thing called science Olympiad and you would you would just like compete with these other schools and just do like you know chemistry <laughs> equations oh my god I did that and I got excited about it believe it or not I did. And I, um, the year that we went in eighth grade, I just decided that, you know, my friends and I, we were like the final friends and I gave us all alternate names and I made everybody walk around with name tags that were not their own names and gave them identities and, you know, and, and someone was rich and someone was sick and, you know, and, and someone was ethnic. I don't even remember what I was, what I was assigning them and I made them play these roles and I was a, like a tyrant of a director. Um, and then I... I made everyone convince the other teams that someone had been murdered at our school. Um, and this Science Olympiad was a day long. It wasn't like I was there for like months. I was there for a day and we were there just doing, you know, you know, math and science competitions. But on top of it, I wanted drama. I wanted the soap opera. I wanted, you know, um, people to fall in love. And because um, none of it was happening in my life. I had zero romantic interest at all through through high school even. And I just wasn't interested in 
in that. But oh my God, on the pages of Christopher Pike books, I so was and I so loved them. And, um, you know, I, I, I would love to thank him for the just the just the countless hours and hours of fantasy that he that he provided for me. And um, uh, and I can't wait to talk to these two incredible guests who are uh, completely wrapped up and have devoted an entire podcast to the world of of YA novels before 2000, before things got ruined. Um, let's have a show. Well, hello. I'm sitting here with Kelly Nugent and Lindsay Katai. How are you two? Oh, my God. So good. Thank you so much for having us on the show. Oh, my God. Thank you for being on the show. I second that. (laughs) (laughs) It's so lovely. Mm. How's your Friday going? Mm. (laughs) I love that we started with, I'm so glad, and then it immediately went into like this sort of... Well, I've been texting a lot with Mother this morning. Oh, yeah. Mother. 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 I love you call her Mother, not my mother or mom. I will. I've always thought that Lil Lady is my, like, spirit animal. So I'm very like, ah, Mother. Mother's here. (laughs) But Mother texts. She does Uh, What are you you and Mother texting about today? Well, oh, my God. So she's trying to plan this trip to my sister. Okay. Let's (laughs) back up a little. (laughs) Um, So my sister just one this uh uh this fellowship to go study uh the architecture of like various international locations whoa that's so cool yeah she's a very talented architect she entered in one and i made a huge drunken spectacle at her uh, <laughs> at her like ceremony uh, i was sitting next to the runner-up and screamed you're the best denise when they announced it and she was like oh. kelly stop <laughs> but so she gets to go she's gonna go to um london is one of the places she's going uh-huh. so my mom was like well we can just make this a family trip which well, is a nightmare. Well, yeah, it's like she's there to work. Exactly. And she's not there to play. And, like, she doesn't get to play and go exactly. visit Big Ben and go and get to do all the things that the rest of you do. So it's not going to be great for her. It's not. And also, like, let her have that adventure. I know. Yeah, you that's, know? that's something idea. that, well, so my parents don't understand that ever uh-huh. when it comes to us. But, so, so then my mom's like, well, okay, we'll just... We'll we'll do a trip to Ireland and then pop in and visit her. So I was like, fine. And she texts me the dates, and it's twenty days. And I was what? like, I was oh like, twenty God. days. Good God, no, no, no. And like, first of all, how are you going to pick up your life? Exactly. And does she does she think that you can just like get twenty days off and go and just Listen, hang out in London? I mean, that's she's a lovely. woman. Of, she's a woman of leisure. Yes, she I does get not it. understand. I'm like, if I am not working, I do not get money. Right, I exactly. need to work. And she's right. like, oh, well, you can just just throw it away and go to London. Also, does she know that we have a podcast that we have to record? That's so rude. <laughs> no, so rude. Honestly, honestly, I, I, you know what? I said, I haven't talked to Lindsay yet. I can't give you the date. <laughs> I have well, approval. Well, it is, it is always really, it is hard with uh, with our parents a lot of times. They don't really understand what we do. No. And they don't, and, and, and I know the perception is that we're not that busy um, because we have such 
crazy weird artist lives mm-hmm. and so it's always like I've got, but, but it's like no 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 we're insanely busy because we have to work many jobs to make the money and then do a lot of things for free yeah. in order for the experience and the exposure and you know and occasionally you get like a really great acting job that pays a lot of bills and that's really nice and then a lot of times you don't so yeah. um, but then you know um, randomly I'll have a Tuesday I talked about this a few weeks ago I had a, a whole full Tuesday off and I just met a friend what and, a we, dream. and we drank all day and it was like well how lovely uh, but then sometimes my Saturday is packed from, you know, 6 a.m. through the night. And that's just the way our lives are. So it's not like we don't have a nine to five. And I think it is hard sometimes for people to understand like, oh, just just don't, you know, just 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 pop over and, and do that thing. Yeah. Just and stop and, doing your little projects. Right. Exactly. And everything exactly. is kind of seen as like a little, you know, and they don't really understand. And they a lot of times they don't really. And it's fine. I've long given up like people you know, mm. they're trying to understand it. I don't care, you know, but it is hard when I try to explain it. I can kind of hear this. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh-huh. OK, well, 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 we'll see you then. <laughs> yeah. Well, we just. OK, actually. Uh, there was a there was a uh, a thing that happened. I visited my mom for Mother's Day. Uh-huh. And, and, where, and where does she live? Uh, they live in the South Bay, so they're okay. Close. Okay. Um, and so a little while previous to this, I discovered that she has been lying <laughs> to all of my family on oh, her yes. side. Yeah. Telling them that I'm a lawyer. What? Because I was she two was years it's ago. Not that insane. But, oh, okay. But okay. I quit two years ago and have been a voice actor. Uh huh. And she has actively been telling. And I discovered this at a huge table when my uncle says, "Are your bosses nice?" And I'm like, "Huh?" And my mom goes, "Just say yes. Just say yes." And I was like. Oh, oh no, mom! I know. And then, so we like got in this huge argument on Sunday, and she was like, "Fine, I'll tell your grandpa. I'll tell your grandpa." <laughs> and she tells him, and I have no idea what he thinks about it, and I don't really care. I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Obviously, I don't know your family at all. But I would imagine your grandpa would be fine, right? He would probably be like great, or I don't know. I mean, I know when things skip a generation, and you know, I feel like you know with. I, you know, my grandparents, you know, have a, a vague understanding of what I do, but they're, they're, I mean, my grandparents are in their late 80s and they're like, follow your bliss, mm. <laughs> do what makes you happy. My grandmother is saying that all because I have uh, some younger cousins that, and he was like, what? we were talking the other day, I was talking to my 88 year old grandfather and he was just like, I want to tell everybody, do what makes you happy, like find a job that you look forward to. And it's like, that's the wisest advice. And this is someone who's like looking back on a long life and he has loved his life and he, he was very passionate about what he did. He sold cars and he loved it. And, but he's like, if you don't love what you do, you need to find what you do and also when it's like when it's your grandchildren you're just like I love them and support them no matter what they do because they're my grandkids totally and I think your parents have a lot of wrapped up stuff of like I want you know, it's it. You know, it, it may it sound feeds better. It into their identity. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And their and their feelings of worth well, with their parents. Well, exactly. And is, you know, and it's and it's all and it's and it's all bullshit because it's like you know what? Um, we're we're all doing different things, and lawyer can mean lots of different things. It, I know it sounds better on paper than 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 voiceover actor or whatever, but. But maybe not. I mean, I don't know. There's so many layers to all of that stuff. And I just I remember when I started teaching, when I started Mm. teaching improv 
And uh, when I could tell my family that it was a, it was a huge step. I think they were like, "He's a teacher." Yes, they can conceptualize like, they, that, and that really mm-hmm. was like, "Oh, that's really great. He's teaching." <laughs> and still, they kind of you know, I haven't. I'm not really teaching that much anymore, and I, I occasionally pop over and and do it, and I do love it, and I did it for like ten years, but. It's kind of hard now when I kind of go, oh, well, I'm I'm on this writing job or I'm acting on this and mm. I'm kind of doing this now. And, you know, and it's sort of it still kind of feels kind of piecemeal. And I can see them be like, oh, boy, where's mm-hmm. where's he going? What's he doing? I'm like, no, things are great, but it, it, it's hard to explain that to somebody. And I've always said, you know, when we're in the position of being like, uh, you know, she plays Rachel on Friends. OK, mm-hmm. now I understand that. Mm-hmm. Like until yeah. you have that job, mm-hmm. you know, when people can understand what who you are, and what you're doing, it will always be confusing to people. And you might be a very successful actor and never have that one job that everyone understands. And that's fine, yeah. too. And that's really OK. And we didn't get into this to all be Jennifer Aniston. But I know for other people, they kind of will always look at it like, well. I hope you'll be Jennifer Aniston one day. And you're just like, great. I hope that for you, too. For yeah. me, for me, I just want to be happy. And I just want to, like, you know, um, you know, make things and, 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 and live a fulfilling life. And we get one life. And I'm, you know, and I applaud you from having for having a, you know, a big, uh, serious, you know, uh, job job to, like, go into being like, I'm doing I'm following my my art. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty great. Real. Well, it is. And the thing that you kind of touched on made me think of, like, People of our parents' generation tend to look at life as like you're going towards a specific goal. Yes, and not yes. Necess- and there isn't rather than rather than just living doing the hard goal. Living. exactly living yeah. the living yeah. the dream currently. It's yeah. like being in it now, and it's like I'm doing it now. Stop asking like, what does this mean? Exactly. Stop being like, well, this will be good for your resume. It's like, how about for my you know livelihood now and, yeah, and yeah. where I am now. I feel like and, grandparents, the the like value was, well, do you work hard? Yes. Yeah. Whereas for our parents, it's like, well, are you achieving? Uh-huh. Yeah. I and mean, not yeah. for my mom personally, but like parents on the yeah. larger. Yeah, for the larger and larger yeah. scale. And yeah. also like, I feel like the, the thought was like, what you are externally mm-hmm. is like more of, I don't know how to phrase this, like, uh, if you're meeting your quote goal, it's like, have you been labeled a thing as mm-hmm. like an external? Uh, are you getting outside validation? Exactly. Right. Versus like, are you and, happy and doing? Yeah, it's you also want? like, what, mom? What's the lesson in this? You're lying. You're lying exactly. to our family for external validation. Like, yeah, you're lying. And it's like, what lesson really are it's you? About her, right? Totally. Yeah. Totally. And, and and again, it's like that's a lot with. And, and, I mean, I grew up and it was when. Anything like I would go home and I w- and I would lie to my parents about something that I did at school, but I would say that one of my friends did it, just yeah. to, just to test and see. And my mom would be like, "Oh, that so and so is so funny." <laughs> I can't believe that I love them for doing that. But if I said I did it, it would be like, Drew, Drew, you need to, you need to go over there now and apologize, which is great in a sense, but it was all about, not associated. It, with it's it. about how you're perceived. It's like, it's mm-hmm. like, I don't want, I love you and support you, whatever you do, but I want everyone else to think you are, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, validated mm-hmm. in some way. I'm like, no one else cares. And, and yeah. like, just, it's fine. Like, stop. Stop lying in order to like cover your ass and make it seem like well so and so's and I know. had a combo where it's like my mother is <laughs> or mother if you will um, <laughs> mother she, darling she mm-hmm. isn't she does not at all 
view her identity as wrapped up in my identity. So all she does is cheer me on. Oh, that's Whereas great. Whereas my that's dad, awesome. we yeah. were very much an extension of him. And so whatever we did reflected on mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. And we're supposed to live our lives more uh, toward that goal of achieving and getting validation. Because then that's something he can talk about around the office kind of right. A thing. Mm. Right, right. And then with with your mom, did you always was that always a thing that your mom was just always oh yeah cheer, cheer always yeah. supportive and then my dad always <laughs> what are your grades <laughs> what are you achieving uh, I understand that you want to be a writer but deep down I don't believe in you so maybe you should look into being a grant writer oh, oh wow that is yeah. the classic uh, I mean you can do it but maybe you can't maybe so you can't so maybe have something to fall back that, on and, and I, I know I, that he like believed in my writing skills but he was right. like you should go into like a professional quote yeah. unquote right yeah. and, and it is coming from love and it is coming from fear and it's like they don't want to you know steer you down this path and then all of a sudden you know but what they don't realize is like you're going to do what you're going to do mm-hmm. and all they they can either be supportive of it and, and go I, I love you and you know or they can you know judge and they can do whatever but it's not really going to um, change the course of what you do it's just going to change it's just going to affect your relationship with that person and like how much yeah. you Want to share with them, and and you know, and how much they'll they'll be they'll be a part of it, and um, yeah, he definitely got a lot less info about my life because it just yeah. I knew it wasn't going to translate. I'd have to explain right. everything too much. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. I loved my dad, but he was a narcissist. Yeah, like, no, I get it. I mean, I you go, sure, I, I totally get it. And mine have been wonderful, and they really they you know they are very supportive. Now it's just a lot of it is just like understanding how to support and I mean yeah. shit, I don't have kids and I and I don't want them and I and I don't envy anyone who has them because it seems like <laughs> oh my god you could screw them up at any at any around any corner yeah. but it's like um you know I know that like you see a certain side of your kid and then when your kid says I'm going to be this I mean I was never the the funny one at home I was never the outspoken one at home I'm was I'm the quiet kind you know, like sort of <laughs> that was me. I was always the nerdy reader. I was always was reading in the corner. Me too. And so I think that's why my dad was like, I, I don't understand this. This isn't something I've seen. Like you have to go right. out there and be outgoing. And I just don't see that. Right. In you. And that was the thing. I was always like, I was class clown in high school. And I, mean, I know my parents was like, you? Like, I thought you were going to get most likely to succeed, you know, because I, like, was a nerd and I made really good grades. But I also, I knew how to turn it on at school. And I knew that my audience wasn't always at home. And my, also, my dad was so big, like, so much, just such a, a performer and himself. And my brother also, and even my mom has a lot of it, especially now. Like, they're very big personalities. And I never felt the need to, like, compete or combat any of that energy i would always i would i was the quiet observant one taking notes quietly so when i said i'm going to be an actor i i understand them being like wait you like (laughs) you're smart you can do anything else you're going into the hardest Mm -hmm. profession and like you're going to be you know and i get it they're like you're going to be like you know auditioning against idiots and trying out for jobs that the people that have no brain and no skills um, that are going to get over you and it's going to be a lot of pain, a lot of rejection and and yes it has and yes it is and yes I would never change or choose anything else. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I like fantasize about choosing something else but I just I simply can't pull the yeah, trigger cuz that's not what I want. It's just, you know, and I mean I think the older you get the more you can like specify and go, "Oh, you know, and you get more realistic with yourself and going, "Oh, this is more what I where I belong. This is what I want to do." But ultimately big picture it's 
always been in us forever to know mm-hmm. who, who we are and what we want to do. And it's just, you know, um, and it's weird when you have to come out to your family and tell them, like, this is really who I am and what I really want well, to that's do. That's certainly an extra um, pressure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and it's sort of like, you know, it's something that like, and, and I think a lot of it is that it's not them sitting there going, you'll never win. You'll never succeed. It's just it's, sometimes it's like it's just total fear. It is. My mom of, has like said to me, like I one of the first things she said to me when I was like, well, you know, uh, well, I like, had booked a couple things. So I was like, okay, I'm ready to quit law and move on. So uh-huh. that's when I told her. Uh-huh. And she was like, well, what if you get rejected? And I was like, oh, I get Too rejected late. all late. the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. like, that was a, what if? Yeah, I was like, what if? That's like every uh-huh. day. <laughs> and that's everyone. That's yeah, yeah this, all know? the time. That's part of it. Talk to anybody that's in this business. They're like, I was told no a million it's times. A, and mm-hmm. it's just, it's one of those things where it's just like, you just blink and move on. Well, it's, but it's also terrifying to someone, especially a parent who's like, wait, you're, you uh, you are on job interviews every day Basically, and you're excited yeah. to get a job oh. interview and you have to go in and you get a job that lasts a day, a week, a month, a year, whatever time it, it's, it's finite. And then you have to go look for another job. And sometimes while you have a job, you're looking for another job. Mm-hmm. And that's terrifying to so many people, especially to our parents generation who finished, they got a bachelor's degree and they worked at one job for 40 years. You yeah. know? And they're like, so they can't imagine like, needing more education or 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 needing like um you know to mix things bounce up around. and bounce yeah. around you know yeah so apart from it being a reflection on their identity it's also like well that's not the life i want for you why would yeah. you do exactly. this to yourself exactly there's such a huge emphasis on like security and uh-huh. like also there's the idea too where it's like once you get your job if you work like the traditional nine to five office job, it's like you just keep your head down and work hard and right. you're basically set barring any kind of huge mess up or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like with this, it's like all of these really short term things, which you just have to keep. It, it is tiring to, mm-hmm. to always be like, oh, well, this is always it's always looking for something else. It's always like building your career or whatever. Right. Which can be tiring, but that's like the life that we chose. Right. So it's if I've accepted it. I don't know. Exactly. I'm like, like I've accepted I'm an adult. It and you should too. And yeah. I'm an adult and I'm gonna make I'm gonna make mistakes and I'm gonna go through some rough patches, but it's like everything else. Or I'll or I'll pick something safe and be miserable all my life. Mm-hmm. I mean I tried that. It right. is yeah. horrible. And that's the other thing. That's what I'm saying. Like to your credit, you you did that and you're like, Okay, that was that was something that Yeah, that that's I, huge. It is huge. It is it and, and, and to go and to go through all of that and um but that's 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 awesome. That's great. <laughs> um, <laughs> goodbye. I don't know what I, I don't know. I had what a, a bit great of a, podcast. What a great Early podcast. Well. A chariot, chariot Thank on you. It. Good luck, everyone. <laughs> My um, love to you and yours. <laughs> <laughs> How long did you practice law? Two years. Oh, okay. So I like put a little bit of effort to it. Yeah. I was like not very good at it, and like <laughs> it's hard like, to be good at something you well, don't. Care yeah, it about. was like I didn't care. What kind of law? What kind of law did you do? I did criminal uh, and bankruptcy oh, wow. and uh, mi- miscellaneous civil litigation. Okay. So, I mean, and, and in what part of it did you feel like you weren't good at doing? Uh, well, I hated doing legal research. And that's like a huge part of it is doing a ton of research and writing up memos and writing up motions. And like, I just, it it, it felt like a really, it was a really thankless thing. Uh-huh. And like, because the idea is like, um, oh, everyone's going to treat you like shit. And um, that's part of it. That like being a young associate means that everyone is going to treat you like garbage and you just have to put your head down and that's the culture. And also it's like a insanely misogynistic culture. It's yeah, horrible. Yeah. 
Um, well, yours sounded mine was exceptionally bad, particularly bad, particularly bad. Yeah, but it. I, I think there are happy lawyers out there. Oh, oh well, of course. God bless. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, of find They're, your oh, truth. That's not the point. I mean, the thing, like, if, if that's their passion, that's absolutely what they should be doing. And, and I, I think, wished it could be mine, but it wasn't. Right. No, and there are plenty of people on the flip side that I that I see in this, you know, in the entertainment business, and I and I always say, God, I would love that person if they weren't in this business because they're so miserable doing this. Mm. They're banging their head against the wall. Oh, there are also people who are like really talented in this business at doing other things that they haven't been honest with themselves. It's like mm-hmm. some people I'm like, you're a writer, be yeah. an amazing writer or or you are, you know, um, you know, this great, you know, comedian. But but, um, st- you know, stop doing <laughs> dramas. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Or whatever <laughs> it is. Or it's like, I mean, there are different things. It's I don't know. What I'm, you know, but it's like, well, I, I had to wrestle with that. Like, I really I, I really love performing. I don't think I'm bad at it, but um, that is something where it's like I'm really having to push through and get recognition and uh-huh. get the next thing, whereas with writing, that comes a lot more naturally to me, and I've had people all my life being like, you're a writer, and I was like, mm, I want to be an actor. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but you and, can do both, and you do. Yeah, and in the last, like, I don't know, seven years, that's been my focus, like I've come to accept that and I'm like oh no I really like this it's yeah. just like it's it's and very like hard the, it's you, know, you get older and you can you can marry the things we were like if they're not so separate you're like I'm stronger as an actor when I am writing my own material and I'm and I'm uh, the more like me that I'll that I'll be as more is going to be the truest and most interesting yeah. and, and if I of, hadn't been doing improv for so long I yeah. wouldn't be as good of a writer oh absolutely yeah. so and improv they really feed each other they do feed each other and it really like it, it you know it, it it taps you into that and there's so many different styles and, and that's another thing people like go to one school and they bang their head against the wall because they're trying so hard to fit in with this one way and it's like that's just one way of doing it and you might find some other thing and I, I just it was so interesting as a teacher at the Groundlings for 10 years and I would see people who would be so great but didn't fit in with the groundlings and I would just mm. I would those are people I would never like get rid of but I would encourage them to leave on their own because it's like you're never gonna you're never gonna find your like your true awesomeness here you're just gonna be frustrated because you're gonna be trying to be fit in with this this model that is that works for a lot of other people but it doesn't mean that it's the answer it doesn't mean it's the right answer and it doesn't mean that you're bad because you're having a, by any means because you're having a hard time at this style you know and then there are other people that just it fit like a glove and it was mm-hmm. like effortless for them and um and it's interesting to see that and i'm like well, you know um there's there's room for everybody and you have a long life in doing this as well i think too that sometimes in you know, when we start out, we're like, I have to, you know, we have this idea of what making it means and what all that yeah. is. And it's like, there's no such thing as that. It's like a life of. Well, yeah. I met you in a groundlings class. I know. 14 I was your years ago. Was that that long ago? No, we were in a class. You were well, filling in as advanced. Out. Yeah. That's right. It was you and Mikey Day were like stepping oh my into God. Fill out the That's class. right. Was that at Heather Morgan's class? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. That yeah. was so long ago. 2003. I remember Mikey and I were, yeah, we, we were working out, we were waiting on. Our upper levels yeah. and and doing that class. That's right. Now, did I ever have you in class? Did I ever? No. No. Okay. No. Because my memory of you, I remember. But then I moved class. on to UCB. Right. So and I then just, I, we've yeah. done like tournament of nerds and yeah. stuff together yeah. a, a bunch. That's so. That's so crazy. 
I wonder, is Mikey still in show business? I, I don't wonder, know. I, I never don't know what hear he's from doing. him. Good luck to him. Indeed. I mean, <laughs> maybe he's a lawyer now. I oh, think he's probably a he lawyer now. He found his truth. Maybe he plays <laughs> some in some sketches occasionally. <laughs> he probably, yes, he did. He's, you know. um, no, and I, I have to say, I'm, I'm totally kidding. He's one of my dearest, most favorite people, and I'm just so proud of him and think the world of I'm just so glad the world has him now. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm so proud when I see him on SNL just like killing it. I'm like, oh, now yeah. everybody knows who Mikey is, you know, and yeah. I love it. It makes me so happy. And I he's... never really saw him again, but I've always like seen him doing things. And I'm uh-huh. like, oh, yeah, that guy's hilarious. Oh, and he's he's a machine and he can write. talk about a writer who can work with anybody and churn out material with. I mean, he's 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 a force of nature. Or like at the same time, I was taking that class, my friend. Um, one of my best friends from college, we would drive up together uh-huh. and take class, and he was in a different class. Oh, okay. And that guy was Chris Kelly, co-head writer. Oh, of my God, how funny. <laughs> yeah. How crazy. Mm-hmm. And now they're working together. Yeah. Wait, you would drive up from San from Diego? UC Irvine, oh, where we oh, were oh, oh, right. going to school. Yeah. Right, 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 right. And you guys did improv at UC Irvine as well, right? <laughs> yeah. Back in the day. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Look at that. It's it's crazy. We're all still here. Uh, yeah, we're still here. <laughs> we're still doing it. We're still we're like making cockroaches. things happen. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> I know. At a certain point you do, you know, you're just like, I guess this is what I will be doing for the rest of my life since I <laughs> yeah. have done it for 25 years now. So, and it okay, is great. It's crazy that the people who stick around make it. They just yeah, do. It really is a thing, I mean, you know, and and if you if you stick around and you and you aren't crazy uh, or and an asshole and you work hard <laughs> and you work hard and you don't rest on your laurels mm-hmm. um, and and you're willing to ride out the downtimes mm-hmm. and the times you're like I'm not really doing much right now. That's okay. You know, you do and you know and it's and it, it takes different shapes for different people and everyone has a different career and we also just sort of like realize that there's space for everybody and it's mm-hmm. not like a race towards this one like you were saying about our parent generation of like being goal oriented yeah. it's really nice to just go oh I can just release that need to win mm-hmm. and yeah. you know achieve something and, and to even know what my career or life was is going to look like it's like I'm in it right now and I'm doing it and yeah, and it's wonderful you know well I want to talk to you I want to hear some stories from either of you do you, uh, either of you have a a revelation or a story or well i i brought in a revelation today oh i love it um, oh. <laughs> which is that i i think this was a couple years ago maybe only a year ago where i realized that my main driving force or like where i come from is a place of guilt Oh, really? Oh just God. like total guilt wow. for existing or taking up space or uh-huh. for my actions and how that affects other people. Wow. And I think it comes from being such like a sickly child. Were you a sickly child? Yeah, I was a sickly oh, child. Wow. Like yeah. I Various had, ailments. Mm-hmm. I had strep throat nine times when I was what? three. Wow. So I got my tonsils out when I was four. Uh-huh. I got this, I got meningitis in my eye I, I when I was meningitis. six. I had meningitis. Really? I had spinal meningitis. No, oh, you had to get a gosh. spinal tap? Yes. That's when I, the worst When I was one. two. Yeah, I was two years old. I was two. a very sick child as well. Oh my yeah. God. Uh-huh. That's yeah. terrible. Isn't that funny? Yeah. I was six and I had it in my eye, so it was oh. called periorbital cellulite. 
tonsillitis. Do you my remember? eyes swelled up. You remember it? I remember my dad carrying me in his arms and rushing me into the emergency room. I remember being in the hospital. I remember being I remember being <laughs> held down by nurses as they tried to stick the needle in me for like the billionth time because I had tiny little veins yeah. and it wouldn't stay in. So I couldn't be attached to an IV. Uh, so I remember that. I remember my dad's girlfriend giving me a little teddy bear that oh, I have to this day. Wow. Um, wow. But then I also had scoliosis and I also had a birth defect called Chiari malformation. What is that? That is my um, cerebellum is too large for my skull or my skull is too small for my cerebellum. Okay. I don't know which it is. Yeah. Um, so it was like creeping out and with my brainstem and clogging spinal fluid oh and my gosh. just creating a lot of pressure in my brain. And so when I was 12, I had a skull decompression surgery where they like cut out a little piece of the bone in my skull to relieve the pressure and give it more room and drained these cysts that had formed. Oh my gosh. And I had a back brace for the scoliosis. And then when I was 13, I had a spinal fusion for the scoliosis. And so now I have titanium rods in my back. But I, w I was seeing the effect that this had on my family. Uh-huh. And like right. my sister, like I, I got a lot of the attention because right. I was sick. Mm -hmm. And I could right. see the effect that was having on my little sister. Uh -huh. She's like three years younger. So here I am at, in the hospital at... 12 and 13 and there she is at 9 and 10 just sort of like uh, is my sister gonna die oh, like yeah and being like left alone with mm -hmm. uh, our grandmother while my mom stayed in the hospital with me and just being kind of like scared and then my mom just having her heart wrenched out of her body because her kid was going through this thing yeah. and she couldn't help it so uh, yeah it hit me a couple years ago that that has really just like stuck with me that i am like a problem everybody around me has to deal with oh and then i also have bipolar 2 disorder oh really and so i'm i've been depressed like my entire life like as soon as i hit puberty oh, no, i didn't know that mm. um and i wasn't medicated mm -hmm. and so i didn't i was just a mess. I was a mess for my entire life mm -hmm. until I got the right meds. And that was like a year ago that I got the wow. right meds. When were you diagnosed? Um, Two or three years ago. Okay. 2012. And they, so and five they were, years ago. And they mm. were just playing with with chemicals until they found the right one? Is yeah, that how they but do I'd it? also... Because uh, like, I know it's different for everybody. Out. Yeah, it's so different. And you, uh, psychiatrists are just guessing. Like, right, they went right. to school, but they don't know any more right. than you do what you should be taking. Sure. Mm -hmm. Like, they know the effect it'll have. They know what certain things do. But, yeah, so I was initially given these meds, and it was, like, pretty close, but not exactly. Mm -hmm. And then I would do stupid things like go off of it because you feel better and you're like, Oh, I think I'm done. <laughs> mm. Right. Well, I think I've got this Everybody now. says, too, it's like also it, it it's so terrible how mental illness affects so many creative people. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you take these meds, it doesn't make you want to be creative. And you, you, you can shut down. And I know, I mean, one of my dear friends uh, from college uh, was diagnosed as schizophrenic. Oh, wow. And for him, which, yes, it's very different. But he would every, he was like, when I would take... The meds, I didn't want to write. I didn't want to mm. play music. I didn't want to do anything. It gave me no 
joy. I mean, it just sort of flattened me out. Mm-hmm. And so like, I think until they, they also, until they find the right thing. Yeah. You know, and then, yeah. But you like, have to have the commitment to find the right thing. Yes. And when you're on the wrong thing, it feels like that's it. It feels like that's the only option. And right. you're going to be like that forever. And there's no oh. hope. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. And... And that's depression too, right? You yeah. feel like there's just no hope. There's no, yeah, that's just the way it is. Yeah, it's hard to even feel the drive to get better. Right. right. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I am really lucky in what I have because it's not bipolar one. That's the high mania. Mm-hmm. And that feels amazing to bipolar people. <laughs> like the mania feels amazing. You feel like you're connected and you're so creative and you're so uh-huh. energetic and you have all these ideas. Right. And so when they go on meds, it's like... Uh, that's being stolen from yes 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 okay yeah but i'm bipolar too which is mostly depression so when i'm on the right meds i get more creative i'm willing to do the work oh wow okay and it's a real godsend (laughs) like i'm really lucky in that way (laughs) because i in the last year of being on the right meds i've gotten more done i've gotten more opportunities than i've ever had before Mm -hmm. like i was like I mean, basically, twenty years were stolen from me in not knowing what was wrong with me, and being just a complete mess. I couldn't function when I wasn't on meds. I couldn't hold down a job. It was terrible. So mm. that was that's also another thing where it's just like I'm this giant problem to deal with. I'm this thing that my mom needs to deal with, my dad, my sister, my boyfriend. It just feels like I am something to be dealt with. Oh. Well, it's good that you know that and know that that's not true. Like, that's not the overriding thing that other people look at you and go, mm-hmm. oh, I've got to go take again. care of Lindsay. Oh, <laughs> what does she need? Yeah. It make, but it makes total sense that you that you have that experience, that you feel that way. I mean, you've just explained it. And yeah. so knowing that, I think it's great to sort of, like, help and move forward and go, okay, well, I'm... I need to know that when I'm asking for something, I'm I don't want to feel like I'm a huge burden. I really yeah. do need, or you know, I should give myself permission to take up more space because exactly. I think I really like I cut myself off from my own needs. I cut myself off from like feeling like I could want things, like mm-hmm. feeling like everybody else around me needed to be taken care of more than me because I'm such a problem. Sure, yeah, sure. I mean, and I think that's like, really great. Just just to demand space. And just to be mm. like, look, this is, I have one life. And because also none of those things were your fault. Like none of those things that happened yeah. to you were your uh, call. Like, like, I'm going to, I'm going to be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be everybody's, you know, uh, you know, ir- irritating, you know, hospital girl all my life. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, you, that's not your fault. Like you had zero say in the matter. Yeah. You know? and, and I didn't feel like it was my fault exactly. It just felt like my cross to bear. And I was like, oh, well, I was just born. Like it's cursed. part of you. I was born cursed. Like coming. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, it's like, like with me you, comes that. Lindsay, or you're Lindsay who is a problem. Yeah, or it's like I'm Lindsay with this like <laughs> this little hat on of being a problem. <laughs> like, uh, like so, it's like there is. I felt, <clears throat> pardon me. I felt like personally, like I'm nice to be around. I didn't think I was horrible. I didn't think my behavior <laughs> you're was horrible. Always nice to be around. That's no, you're always nice true. to be around. Um, but like I had this thing that I couldn't help that you know regardless of knowing i couldn't help it regardless of the people around me knowing i couldn't help it still you know affects their life mm-hmm. in ways that 
they can't control, mm. I can't control. And so it's like, well, how long can you put up with that? Right. Yeah. I mean, I understand um, that feeling. Like, I, like I am understanding it, how you're describing it. But I will tell you, as someone that has worked with you closely, um, that you are a delight to work with <laughs> and a delight to be around. And I look forward to yeah. working with you well, every time. You. Because I don't look at you as someone that just <laughs> takes up space. In fact, I look at you as someone that has always has something very valuable to contribute and like is great to collaborate with. And I'm always excited to see like, ah, oh, what's like, what are like, what are we going to come up with next? Thanks. Which is like awesome. And I also yeah. admire you as a writer and as a performer and as a person. So that's great too. Thank you. Yeah. But like and, the, and, the and problem is of... that like, I know my friends don't have to deal with that. It's my family and my mm -hmm. boyfriend. Right. They do have to deal with like me crying all day and not wanting to go to work so it's like my friends don't see that and I don't feel like there's a problem for them but like and particularly with my boyfriend and he's never he's only been supportive and mm. wonderful and mm -hmm. helpful but I'm it's so hard for the people around the person who's depressed mm -hmm. because even though it's not their fault like they deserve happiness too. They deserve to, right, to right. have a life that's not about the other person. And so that's always been like uh, another guilty feeling right. that mm. I have. And do you feel, I mean, isolated in that way because you feel like all, do you feel like from, from your experiences, you know, do you feel like it's like in any way separate from the rest of the world because you yes. have you've had to like be like you against yes. <laughs> like I have to stay in the, I have to stay alive I have to survive I have this one thing to deal with now and then this other thing and... yeah or I'm putting up this emotional wall to protect you yes because yeah. I want you to feel yeah. like you could leave me at any yeah. moment mm -hmm. and I'll be okay without you but like and I want you and I love you but you don't deserve to have to build your whole life around this bullshit mm. and so i think right and then, then on the, uh, to be the, time, uh, you know to be the devil's advocate like that's that's part of the deal it's it's like about mm -hmm. uh, you know in in dealing with any relationship and ha taking someone on it's it is it's not always awesome beautiful puppy dogs and rainbows and right it's part of the thing where you're like you know when you when you love each other you you take on each other's shit and it's like a thing where you go oh this thing, you know, and it's just like, just like anything else. And I think we have the, the stigma around mental illness is that we're embarrassed to, yeah. you know, and and to admit it or to talk about it. And it feels like something just like snap out of it and yeah. get happy. You look down like, uh, and I'm trying I, to talk about it more and more. And no, I think that's great. And I think you have to. And I think it's also like, just know that like. This person's aware of what the deal is. Your boyfriend's like, I get this is this is part of the this is part of the arrangement, mm -hmm. and he's there to to um, to take care of you, but also to deal with that. And I think you can't worry so much about him. Um, I mean, it's so lovely that you do, but it's also like a thing where you it's it's just like with with anything else, you're just like. Look, if if I have cystic fibrosis, it means that, you know, you turn me over and right. pat on my back a couple times yeah. a day. I don't know why that's my example that I'm giving right <laughs> well, now. But it's a hard one. You know what mm. I'm talking about? It's like a thing where you're just like, that's part of the thing. It's like if you're, you know, um, just like a diabetic or, you, you know, I have cancer or whatever it is. Like, it's just it's 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 part of the deal. And it's the messy, scary part of 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 being with someone and opening up to someone and, you know, and being, you know, it, it is the vulnerability of being like, I'm not perfect. I'm not, you know, well, awesome. and then I and, think an, an additional problem, like because I'm I was like 
always trying to like here's here's the door if you want to take it it's okay uh-huh. um that just created the additional problem of like why are you keeping me at arm's length yeah. all the time yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. well that's so, my fear uh, with me and it's like i i um i i think a lot of my a lot of my issues come from being a very sick kid i was born not breathing i was i was in a hospital immediately i was in incubator immediately mm-hmm. when i was born and then the first two or three years of my life i was in and out of hospitals and i had spinal meningitis and i had a um, hernia i had like i had a hernia her- did you mm-hmm. yeah i had i had several and i don't even know how like i was just always sick and in and out and then i that for me like i got healthy you know and and i was you know um I've been healthy since then, but I feel like there was always this thing in me of feeling like, okay, it's me versus the world. Like I have, I have to survive. I have a purpose. I have this greater calling to do this thing. And, um, because I, I could have and should have died or been retarded or deaf many times when God, I was, I when wish I was, that when had I was been my reaction. Um, <laughs> but, but I don't know that that's necessarily great because it, it makes me very much feel like an island sometimes. And I'm so individual that mm-hmm. I don't, that I forget that I, that I need people and that I want to be with someone. And then I have this, in theory, want to be in a relationship and then there's, but I don't do anything towards it. And then there's part of me that's like, oh, you have to like, maybe like someone as opposed to just like the idea of someone or like the idea of a relationship, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, because I'm always like, I'll figure this out on my own. And, you know, and, 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 you know, and I feel like I've always just been that kid who was like, I'll be in my room reading. Uh, You know, I'm going to be figuring things out and I'm going to, you know, and I'm like, I'm going to, and I would, you know, in small town, North Carolina, I'm reading about New York and LA and the, and I was like, I'm going to live one of those places one day and I'm going to have this, so like I, I always knew this sort of thing, but I I never really like. It's always hard for me to lean on someone, even for the sol- smallest things. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm always like, oh god, I have to, you know. Um, so it's like the same with result, different motivators. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. and it's like, and so when it's like, you know, and I I have so many great friends, but and, uh, which I'm very lucky to have, and but then I'm also like. When I look towards like really dealing with myself, I'm just like, I'm very, it's very hard for me to admit my imperfections and be vulnerable around someone mm-hmm. and, and to sort of be not just physically naked, but emotionally and spiritually naked around someone as well and go, I, I just, you know, and, and I mean, that's why I love doing this show because I get to be that way with a lot of people and get to do that. But it's like, yeah, on a, on a personal level, it's hard and it's something that I, I definitely have walls up and i think that um you know i've just have never been i've never been needy and i and i have a problem with needy people i'm like god you're needy yeah. like i think so many people are needy <laughs> and it's my problem that i just think i'm like no, people just maybe like you and maybe want to talk to you and i'm like what do you want what do you need and i'm like i realize that i can get through that sometimes and i you know and it's like um just because i don't understand people that people who need people i don't understand it uh because it's just you know slightly different words yes exactly (laughs) exactly today's show is brought to you by bombas.com get 12 dollars bounty per order at get bombas.com slash feral bombas is an online retailer of premium high performance athletic leisure socks for the whole family these socks have been engineered and designed to look better feel better and most of all perform better and they're all about comfort i mean these are such Comfortable socks. You will love them on your feet. They are also high-performance athletic socks, so you can work out in these things. You can be leisurely or active. 
Simply put, they are the most comfortable socks you will ever put on your feet. You may not know this because I didn't know this, but actually socks are the most requested. They're the number one most requested item in homeless shelters. So with these, with Bombas, if you buy a pair of socks, Bombas will in turn donate a pair of socks to homeless shelters. And they've given almost one million pairs of socks to date. It's pretty amazing. You also get 15% off your first purchase of four or more pairs, plus free shipping. That's fun. For you, the listeners of Minor Revelations, Bombas is offering an opportunity to get $12 bounty per order at bombas.com. To get $12 bounty per order, go to getbombas.com slash feral. Again, that's getbombas.com slash feral to get $12 bounty per order. So anyway, but that's um but that's great to know that you that you are coming from a place of guilt and and um and just to acknowledge that and and moving forward because you can't you can't just pretend that that's not what's happening, you know? And yeah. I think you can't just go, oh, well, forget about that. It's like, it's like, no, that's just so you know, that's where I'm coming from. And, and just be aware of that when it kicks in and yeah. you're just like, wow, I don't know why I'm like so embarrassed to, you know? Um, but yeah, I will say like, I mean, I was going to say this earlier when Kelly was saying how great you are to work with. Like what I always love about you in the tournament of nerd show, which is this show you guys go see it. It's, a, it's, it's a midnight at it's UCB. Tomorrow. It's tomorrow. <laughs> uh, which well, this will be yeah, in a couple weeks, be. but it's always, is it a certain Saturday of the month? It's the third Saturday of the month. Okay, so every it's the, month. If you're in LA, UCB Franklin. Yeah. UCB on Franklin, the, um, there's a show at midnight called the tournament of nerds. And it's one of the most, fun shows to watch and um, I've never been a contestant and I'm, I'm terrified of doing that I'm always a judge <laughs> it is the most stressful thing but it's gotta be but basically you present a case as if you're a lawyer almost <laughs> for how your client would beat this other client so mm-hmm. it, you might be the so you're the spokesman and you're dressed as the, the, like this character mm-hmm. um, and it's so you're either it's like Santa Claus versus Freddy Krueger mm-hmm. and so someone comes in and says well Santa Claus you know uh, has you know all the size and is big and jolly and has the love of all these children and you could say Freddy Krueger has the souls of all these children. That's a really good mashup actually. uh, (laughs) I want to see that, right? And so so then they battle and then judges determine based on the thing who gets to the next round. So it's super nerdy and and wonderful and it's just about and people get so deep with it and there's some really wonderful ones and um didn't you do one time you did uh, Lisa Frank? Yeah. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> it was one of my favorite things as Lisa Frank stickers. Thanks. And I was like, I love you forever for doing this. <laughs> but you are so thorough. Like you, you present such a strong case every time for these people that you are. And, I'm, and it's like you have done so much work on these people. And it's so funny. Because the more specific you are, the funnier it is in that in that world. Because it's like, oh my God, yes, it's exactly right. It's funny um, that you say that one too. Because I w- I wasn't even really arguing Lisa Frank. I was pretending to be a Lisa Frank factory worker. Oh, that's <laughs> so right. All oh, that's I was right. doing was talking about these fake horrible working conditions <laughs> <laughs> that I was making up. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's so great. I also just want to. I love the idea that like working in this sticker factory is mm-hmm. like. Worse than like you know handling nuclear waste. Exactly. Like it's just so <laughs> horrifying, and you're making these gorgeous unicorn, yeah. rainbow, you know, sort of mother of pearly, you know. Yeah, like I was, awful. I was getting gnarled hands because I was having to put googly eyes on things. <laughs> 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 oh. That's a fun one. I love it. 
I love it. It's always oh. fun when you judge too. Oh, it's so fun to judge. I just I love sitting up there and going, okay, you, and then you. And, and sometimes you be totally <laughs> arbitrary, <laughs> and sometimes you be really serious about it. Yeah. And Mark Andreco, who's done this show before, who's who does it every he does it every month, and mm-hmm. he's so he gets so into it. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> he so gets it's really it's hard. No. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> Hal and Justin are wonderful, and it's just a great show. So so check that out. Check it out, um, Kelly. Hi. Hi. Do you have a a, a, a story or a revelation or this? I actually I'm pretty deeply embarrassed about this, and I don't oh, think I love I've, it. So, it's so small and so stupid, and I don't think I've ever told anybody about this because oh, as yes. soon as it finished, I was like, oh god. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the other, ugh, this is like. It's I just love like it when Kelly's about to tell an embarrassing story because she has to start and stop like 20 times and then she'll like put her hands over her mouth and be like, <laughs> oh my God, I love it. I love okay. it. <laughs> so <laughs> there it is. <laughs> okay. So, uh, all right. Um, I, uh, I have a home studio at my house where I record uh, VO jobs from time okay. to time. Okay. And this was like, I was already doing something that was like a little bit thirsty, which was I was like um, basically like bugging people on Facebook Messenger to review Teen Creeps on iTunes. Which I'm going to talk about in a minute. They have an amazing podcast. It's on Feral. It's called Teen Creeps. And it's all about young adult novels. Christopher Pike, R.L. Stein. Oh, my God. Amazing. We'll talk about it at the end. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, So I messaged this guy that like. I like knew in law school and like we were like kind of friends and whatever. So I message him and he responds back and he's like, great, great. I'll do it. And then I get this like video, like it's like FaceTiming and I'm like, oh God, what's happening? And he's like messing with his hair. So I can tell that like he's not expecting it either, but I didn't realize anyway. So I just like close it and like throw my phone uh. and I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. And at that point, I was like laying down on my bed in sweats. The reason why I brought up the home studio is a lot of times I don't leave my house. Sure. So sure. I'm wearing like sweats head to toe. My hair is like horrible. Like I just look awful. And so I'm like literally like laying, laying down uh. on my bed. Like the phone is like at my belly. So it's like from the chin uh, yes. view. Uh-huh. And so it's just the worst possible. It's a view. horrible view. I just think that he has no idea that I, he can see me. So I just put it down and then I'm like, uh, and then I text him and I go, hey, sorry, I can't take this FaceTime right now. And I don't know why I lied. I said, I'm in the recording booth. And he goes, okay, um, well, you actually sent the request to me. So oh. <laughs> he's like, so I was confused and thought you wanted to FaceTime. And I was like, uh, whatever. And like closed it. And I just, we have not spoken since then. I have not talked about it. I oh. don't know why I lied. Like, I think I do know why I lied, which well, we'll get to in a second. I don't even know if that's an issue though. Like, does he know that you're not actually in? I mean, cause well, technically cause he saw you the video in a recording booth. He saw a video of you lying down. On my bed. On your bed. And <laughs> okay, you said, I'm I in guess. the studio right now. Yeah. So. <sighs> and so. So and this is someone you know personally. Yes. Okay. And so then you're so you're asking him to to do this thing. And so then he did he think? Do you think he thought you wanted to like like flirt or or what? I I have no idea what he thought. I mean, maybe because we did have like a brief, the briefest of brief flirtations in law school, but it never materialized to Uh anything uh and whatever. 
but, but like, <laughs> I love, but you did FaceTime. Him. I FaceTimed him. Happened. That was so. That was really him going. But wait, okay, but Why? you. And, and he's me. like, but you like lied because like you <laughs> saw this and you right. FaceTimed me, and I didn't mean to. I something had happened. Right. But but that happens. That happens a lot when you accidentally FaceTime people. And yeah. It's like I didn't mean to do that. I don't need to see your face right now. And you yeah. know, I mean, ninety nine percent of FaceTime requests, I ignore them. I'm like, no. No, Especially if it's like unscheduled. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do not FaceTime me. I don't understand that either. I mean, I just, I, I don't come from that. Now, my, you know, five-year-old niece uh, has been known to do it because to her, it's like fun. I want to see your face. And so she's she's done it to me before. And it's always because <laughs> I'm my sister-in-law. And I'm like, why does she want to see me? Oh, oh it's, oh, yeah. it's, the, it's my niece. Um, but. I don't really, I don't really understand what that's about. And yeah, I feel I like, <laughs> you know, I feel like you can always, I mean, is this somebody that you, you, I mean, you were in law school together. It's, you, you see socially and you feel a need I to. I saw him. Well, we have been like weird, like on again, off again friends. Like uh-huh. we were briefly friends, uh, I think like a couple months before that. And like I had like supported a project of his. And then so it was like. I felt okay mine. asking yeah. right, him right, for right, that. Right. Um, but I like the thing that like embarrassed me so much was that I lied. Right. Because cuz when you lie when you don't need to. It's like exactly. and, and you wonder like why am I lying when about when the truth would just serve me better and what yeah. difference does it make? Well, but I also think sometimes I mean we all lie sometimes it's just it's easier to well, just I think I know why I did lie. And it's like having to look at myself in kind of like an unsavory way, which is that like I wanted to seem like I was working. Like I uh-huh. wanted to seem like. Sure. Like uh, because we had no. I think it's like you a, were successful. and Yeah. Like yeah. I was successful. And like we had known each other in law school. And I right. think he's still a lawyer. I'm not right, sure. Right. 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 But he. Um, well, you, I totally understand when you're like, I don't want the perception is that I'm lying on my bed in my pajamas in the middle of the day, yeah. doing nothing with my life, asking you to like my thing on Facebook. And I'm not answering your FaceTime. And, yeah, exactly. and I'm not answering that FaceTime. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, and like, I think a lot, a huge part, uh, a big thing that I wrestle with a lot, just like uh, in the social aspect of being in the creative world, mm-hmm. is that like since I'm like fairly new to it compared to just a lot of people i feel the need to communicate like i'm okay like yes i'm i belong here that's so common though and i think that's so that's so understandable and there's a lot of times where i um it's awkward no matter how long you do it when you run into people and you haven't seen each other and in this business you know like there are people on all different levels or or no level if you look at it that way too which is also you know the same but you know you you, do you talk about what you're working on or do you not do you you know there are people that you run into and i'm like hi how are you i'm like great i just finished my web series and i finished a screenplay and i've got a meeting (laughs) with so-and-so and And you're like oh my god please settle down i asked how you were i asked how you were but a lot of people but just like you said they just want to communicate that they're doing okay yeah that they're fine that they're that they're making things happen or they're they're insecure around you because they look you know and and it's very strange because like it, it, it it's never 
I don't know, like when, you know, we have these weird lives online and we have this like per, sort of this uh, this perception of success, you know, mm. and so we only put out there, you know, like uh, when, when things are going well, uh, you know, for a lot of us. I mean, for me, like I post videos that I do or, you know, if if I'm on a show and especially when the show, sometimes they, they say like, would you t- would you post that you're going to be on blah, blah, blah. And so I do that or when I'm doing a lot of live shows and I want people mm-hmm. to come. So I'm like, come to the show because yeah. I'm doing a live show. So, the, you know, a lot of times when people run into me, they're like, wow, you're doing so well. And I'm like, you know, things are great. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm happy, but I don't I, I don't really feel like I don't wake up every morning going, I'm crushing it. I'm killing it. But I think there's like sometimes the perception is like, oh, you're really successful. And I want to let you know that I'm doing something, too. And it's like, I don't. I don't require that from someone. I mean, I, I would much rather talk about anything but. And if, if something organically comes up, mm-hmm. great. Like, I don't want to not talk about it. It's not like you can't tell and talk about work at all because that's also weird, you know. Um, and, you know, it's like I, and there are some people that I that I know who are insanely successful and you could tell that they're just like awkward to talk about any of it. I'm like, you can tell me what you're work. We can talk <laughs> about this and I'm not going to. You know, but it does feel like high school in a in a way, yeah. and about like, and because of what we do has no um, nine to five, beginning, middle, end. Yeah, uh, I've achieved this kind of aspect to it. You're it, never finished. You're never finished, and so you feel like, you know, you want people to think that, you know, it, it's it's, and I understand the impulse from a lot of people. They're just like they want to talk about like I'm I'm busy, I'm busy too. Oh my god, I'm so busy. Oh my god, we have this going yeah. on. This. And um. You know, and I, and I think that um, it also just feels good just 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 to say like I have work and 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 it also there is something mentally good about it when you're like to look at it like a job as opposed to just like oh just this little thing that I'm doing yeah you know and to say like I you know um y- you know um and to treat everything like this is work because to and because it, it mentally tells your brain like what you're doing right now is yeah. your job and your livelihood and what you are doing with your life. Yeah. But um but I understand that. Also I would say that most likely this this guy is probably didn't think twice about oh, it. He does yeah. not even remember this happening. Yeah. He doesn't happened. he has no he does not he, for a second he was probably like that was weird and that was it. Right. Whereas like <laughs> exactly. I was like as I'm about to fall asleep each night, I was like, you lied to that guy. <laughs> but I think also like a Men huge... Men are from Mars, <laughs> women are from Venus. But like, I I think a huge part of it too uh, that is that because I don't get those feelings of validation from like my family, I mm-hmm. seek it very aggressively from like my peers and friends. I understand that. And yeah, so it's sure. very like, it's... Even like even if you take down to like even like base level like just acceptance and love and those kinds of things like because I don't I, I've always been very obsessed with like found families as mm-hmm. like a thing trope yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, but that's that's what we're all doing in our yeah. lives we 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 have we have our you know creative family that we absolutely yeah, yeah sure. and so like that and then also I just feel like. It's almost like this survival instinct to be because like we now like in the world that we live in ascribe like you feel like sometimes if you if you mess something up, uh, 
job wise, a lot of times the first thought you have is like, oh my God, I'm going to die. Which is like, you're not <laughs> yeah. going to die. I'm never going to work you're, again. I'm going to die. Yeah, right. I'm going to yeah. die. Which is like, it's interesting how we've evolved in that way. Or this person uh, hates me or, or doesn't respect yes. me and that feels like death. Exactly. You and know, like, th- this person doesn't think I'm wor- uh, you know, valid or talented or funny or mm-hmm. uh, successful or fill in the blank. Yeah. And this Part is of, murdering me. Um, my depression, how it would manifest is I would wake, like the depressed feeling I had was like oh somebody i love i did something horrible to and they have stopped loving me wow. but it yeah. hadn't happened but i had that that was how that felt uh-huh. it's like oh my god i have lost somebody i love i did something horrible I have a lot of guilt about that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. Even yeah, though yeah, nothing yeah. could happen. Right. And it's, yeah. our brains can be our worst enemies. And we have a lot of downtime with our brains when we have, mm-hmm. we have to constantly be in our heads and think about what's the next creative idea and allow, allow space and, ha- and be okay with like not working all the time and not, and working at weird. And, and so we're, we're all, always using our brains in a way that a lot of people just don't, they don't have, the interest, the time, the energy, the fill in the blank to ever like think about where they are and to think about, you know, and, and that's the that's the pain and the itch of mm. being an artist that, you know, you you really have to be constantly in touch with your thoughts. And it's why so many of us deal with, you know, all kinds of mental problems and issues. And, and you know, because we are very we are led and ruled by our emotions. And that's what that's what makes us good at what we do. And it also it, it makes us feel, you know, alone and makes us feel like, oh, my God, you know, um, because many other people are like, I get up, I take a shower, I go to work, I come home, we have dinner, we go to sleep. You know, it's like, yeah. that's life. You know, and it's like, oh, gosh, we want something more. I want to leave that life. I want something more. <laughs> well, guess what? You get something more. You get a yeah. brain that's going to tell you <laughs> you're not worth it. People don't like you, uh, you know, and yeah. all that stuff kind of creeps in. And But that's the thing. It's like when your mind is constantly <laughs> riddled by those anxieties, it's like that that's something that on some level everybody touches. Mm-hmm. Like everybody, like every single person feels those feelings of like, fear of rejection or any of those kinds of things. But then when you are constantly feeling them, it does give your work like a little bit of humanity. Mm-hmm. And that's like the thing that people can touch as like uh, as a as like something that they're consuming and then put it away when they're done. Wow. Which is I love that. That's, that I mean, good for them. Yeah, good for them. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, good guys. Job. Thank you. Tell thank me you. I did good. Thank you. You did good. You oh, did great. Thanks. You did good great. Good job, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> we win. We figured out life. Um, well, we are out of time. Uh, we're late, so that was a wow. great ending. So we've, we have figured out uh, that we're right. We're going to take up space. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? Do it, girl. Do it. <laughs> And don't be afraid. And don't be afraid to, you know. And uh, you guys, yeah. And we are doing what we love, which is a, a wonderful, scary, great thing. And we're just going to keep doing it. And some days are going to be terrible, and that's okay too. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah. Totally. Totally. Oh my God. Well, you got to come on our podcast. I would love to come, come on your podcast. On yeah. the podcast. Okay. So Lindsay and Kelly have a podcast that's, that is called Teen Creeps, which I love the title. And the, Thank you. the artwork is so amazing. Oh, my it, God. It's so good. It's, it's so, so good. good. It By looks James like, Mulholland. Okay. It, he's genius. Because I know. he completely makes it look like the cover of a Christopher Pike book. 
And you guys do a, a different novel every week. Is mm-hmm. that what you do? Mm-hmm. Yep. And and it's sort of like a book club. I love it. I would love to come on there and please make me read. And there's so many new Christopher we're Pike re- books. He's we're not, not a- reading new things. We're not reading his new stuff. Anything uh, after see. 2000 is sort of out of the genre uh, in our mind. Okay, okay. We might do it down the line as like a special... Okay. And why 2000? Because of the Twilight explosion? Or? Yeah. Everything okay. just we, got different. We after. did yeah. nail it down to it went from camp to cheese, yes. which we're not interested yeah, in. I completely yeah. understand that. Yeah. So it went from, yeah, because all those books that we're reading are super pulpy. Right. Like kind of sensationalist. Well, what was so great like about seedy. those books was that they meant it. And that's what's great about camp yes. is that when they're making something, they really mean it. And there is and, totally an earnestness and, there that I love. And cheese is like winking at, at it and going, isn't this. Or it is, feels a little manipulative. Uh huh. It feels very like, I'm smarter than you, which is like, uh, I don't need that. Or yeah, just no. like, uh, like the fault in our stars. I haven't read it. So this is all judgment on like, listen, what we've I all perceive seen in the, the trailer. Uh, but it's very like, it's like, hey, teens, I know that you're into doomed love. I'm just going to write a story that I don't really care about and you're going to eat it up. Right. Mm. But now the whole thing is, is one of them's dying because there's that new movie called Everything, Everything mm-hmm. that's coming out this weekend. With I mean, Amanda be- Stenberg. Yes, I know that's, and this is going to be in a couple of weeks. So when this podcast airs, but I, know, I think that's coming out very soon, or mm-hmm. it'll be out by the time this is up. And it's always like one of them is doomed, uh, and and the and then there's always it's like me and Earl and the Dying Girl, and there's yeah. all this, there's mm-hmm. like that genre Paper of like towns even where the girl yes. just like disappears. Yes, yeah. And so oh, somebody gave this such a good nickname. I'm going to try to think of it. Okay, oh, you just guys like, keep talking. Okay, but like, yeah, but I know that like the stuff that, and I'm and I'm older than YouTube. At like when I was like coming uh, uh, coming of age and reading those books, you know, it was all so serious, and I cared about it just like everything else. And I and I would go between reading Christopher Pike and like Stephen King, mm-hmm. and and I kind of didn't see much difference in it. And and now now I can look at that and go, okay, well Stephen King is definitely adult horror, mm-hmm. and Christopher Pike was written like as a young adult angst and all mm-hmm. that but there was still like I was they were scary and like you know there was like kids killing each other yeah, yeah. they were like so you know? gory so like sexy yes like and very yes. gritty like yes. titillating yeah. 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 yeah they were very they they were all of that so. I, they definitely felt like something that like I didn't want my parents catching anything over the shoulder yeah. that I was reading like oh, I'd yeah. hold them oh, kind of yeah. close I, I think books now are like a little too precious that's yeah. what it is that's what it is it's yeah. like cheesy and, and precious and it's like uh-huh. isn't it cute what it's we're like, doing uh-huh. kind of like mumblecore YA and also like I know I'm sure Christopher Pike made a bajillions of dollars doing this and, a, and, I a, and know, as deserved, but I don't know and that's what I was going to say I feel like now it's it is more cynical where you're like it, you can make so much money and yeah, sell it I as think movies yeah. and now they're trying to make movies out of these books and there is this because of the Twilight craze and the mm-hmm. whole thing of you know, there's such a movement towards that. So people are writing books in order to make them into movies yes. versus like writing books for the sake of writing really great books, mm-hmm. you know. And and so um, I think that's also we just come from a more pure time, you guys. Mm. Well, I want to. Th- oh, on that disgusting <laughs> tone. <laughs> uh, I want to thank my guests, Kelly Nugent and Lindsay K. Tai for being on the show today. Thank you, thank you so, so much, much for having us. us. Oh, oh, in unison. <laughs> <laughs> 
God, we're special. We are precious. We're oh. precious. <laughs> we're all, we're all uh, dressed like piglets right now, like cute little baby piglets. We're wearing we just, overalls. Yeah. Oh, my God. And like flowers are in our hair. We I have like buckets of raspberries. Oh. We're so cute. <laughs> Gross. This has been hey, another man. episode of Drew Drogi's Minor Revelations. Thank you for listening. Have a week. Thank you.